Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello everyone. I'm so happy to welcome all listeners from around the world to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovators Podcast invites key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their thoughts about the key changes in the sector, about their work, and what is their forecast for the future. Today, I'll be talking about two of my favorite topics, technology and angel investment. Our today's guest is a real hustler. She's a founder and general partner of Lucas Venture. Based in West Palm Beach, Florida, she has built a syndicate of around 3,000 angel investors who has invested in more than 280 startups. She's a graduate of Duke University and Harvard Law School and also serve as a partner at Jupiter, a Florida-based real estate finance fund with $3 billion in asset under management. I'm so happy to welcome Ashley Lucas, founder and general partner, Lucas Venture. Before starting this episode, I would like to share a few general definitions for the audience. An angel investor, also known as private investor, seed investor, or angel funder, is a high net worth individual who provide financial backing for small startups or entrepreneurs typically in exchange for ownership equity in the company. Venture capital is a form of a private equity financing that is provided by a venture capital firm or a fund to a startup, early stage or emerging company that have been deemed to have high growth potential or which has demonstrated high growth. An investment thesis is a strategy by which a venture capital fund make money for the fund investor. Now it's time to listen and learn. Hello, Ashley. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So today I'll be spending time getting to know more about you, about Lucas Venture, your journey as an angel investor, and your thought on the key trend in the private funding market. To begin with, I would like you to share with our listener a little bit about yourself and also are there any interesting facts about your career that are not on LinkedIn? Uh, sure, ha- happy to do it. Though no, I, I think I'm, I think I'm a pretty, <laughs> I'm a pretty open <laughs> book. Um, uh, so my my background, um, I started my career uh, as a as a capital markets lawyer. Uh, I guess maybe the one factoid that's not on there, but maybe is becoming more apparent, is I I never actually. Uh, really wanted to be a lawyer. It was kind of one of those things where I felt like I'd, I was a political science major and, and felt like I'd have a reasonable aptitude for it. And I also felt like, uh, you know, there's a pretty good path of lawyers going on to do other things within business. And then I felt like I could at least kind of be in the rooms with the, with different types of deal making until I could kind of stumble yeah. on, stumble on uh, what my thing was. So um, I first started out uh, working in uh, in Europe, mostly underwriter side work and, and debt uh, in the capital markets, uh, and then came back to the States uh, where I did mostly issuer side work and, uh, you know, public offerings and SEC reporting and that kind of thing. Um, and then eight years ago, I ended up joining uh, the group where I still am now as a partner. So. Uh, we have a real estate development arm. Uh, we own and operate some different assets, sports arenas, mixed use properties, entertainment. Uh, and then yeah. we have a commercial real estate uh, focused fund as well. Um, I started getting active in venture about four, four, four years ago. At first, it just started out um, 
investing my, my own money in a way of diversifying, trying to figure out ways to, to build wealth and then became uh, an obsession and, <laughs> uh, and has seemingly escalated uh, ever since. Um, and about you know halfway through the journey, so coming up on 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 two years ago, um, I just started I decided, decided to start investing uh, via SPVs, uh, uh, aka forming a syndicate, which I uh, run on the Angelist platform, which is how I how I met your host. Um, yeah. And so. <laughs> Uh, in in that uh, July will be two years, and in that time, um, have built the syndicate membership up to about almost 3,500 folks uh, distributed uh, all around the world, and have deployed uh, around 80 million into a wide variety of startups, uh, also across the globe, across all sectors and stages yeah. and geographies. So uh, it's been quite a ride, and. Um, you know, as we'll get into, I've, I've seen a bit of the boom times, especially uh, last year with the way things were going with valuations and, and exits. And now, uh, you know, apparently winter is coming. So it's, a, it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting time uh, to be in the space. Um, you know, I don't know that I necessarily have a, a, a unique perspective on where we are, but I think having my, my background coming from law, coming from, from real estate, uh, coming from working in a business where you have to earn money day one to keep the lights on and there's no one coming in to save the day. Um, I think the, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm not as a, a afraid as other folks. And, you know, my whole philosophy is, you know, kind of the most opportunity is in, in these times of, of trouble. So, you know, I'm actually pretty excited because, uh, you know, companies we'd never heard of before are going to come out yeah. of all of this and kind of be the next household name. So it's about, uh, being in the game to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. You mentioned uh, that uh, this winter will bring new more companies. So Airbnb, Uber, uh, there are a lot of more company which came from the last recession. So we probably see a new one coming up. And and you rightly mentioned you started your career as a lawyer. So I, I put a quote like a lawyer by the day and the investor at the night. So you're working mm -hmm. <laughs> day and night uh, on, on both of your passion. Uh, so you are a solo VC and leading your own angel syndicate, which you just mentioned, and you're managing the whole process yourself, uh, which helped to make investment decision quicker, but at the same time, put a lot of work and a lot of pressure on you because you need to conduct the due diligence process and write investment memos and all. So can you share how this deal process and syndicate actually work? And let's say you meet a founder and you want to invest in a company. What are the key steps to be followed and how long does this, the entire process take? Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully in, in this, in this, in this realm, the, the more you do it, the more efficient you become. And so, you know, what the process looked like two years ago versus what it looks like <laughs> now are, 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 are a little different though. Uh, I'm sure though I'll be like most folks going through another bit of point of, of having to adapt and involved in, in adjusting to kind of where the, the macroeconomic situation is. But, you know, basically I meet a founder, uh, we, you know, obviously have my, kind of have my initial, initial call, uh, you know, we'll get, you know, initial data room, things like that. Um, and then, you know, one benefit for me for, from having that legal background is, you know, diligence is something that I was trained to do. To train to do. So, uh, for me as a solo VC, I guess it, it may, maybe comes a bit easier than most. You know, when I started out, particularly as a junior lawyer, 
you know, put together data rooms, reviewed all the documents in data rooms, synthesized all that, elevated issues, et cetera. So for me, um, that comes a bit second nature. And, you know, one of the benefits about, um, you know, the, the, the networking that I've been able to accomplish in different, you know, communities within this uh, startup ecosystem I've been able to be a part of and, and, and all the members of the syndicate is, is that in, in I, it may be a solo VC, but I'm, I'm not alone, right? So yeah. uh, if I have things that are kind of out of my core competency, but I think are really interesting, I kind of have go-to people that I can go to who I trust, uh, who can be a second set of eyes, whether it's technical diligence, whether it's market diligence, or even uh, kind of like geo specific stuff. So, for example, if I you know I invest a lot in 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 Latam and in India, places like that, and I have specific folks who I who 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 have robust portfolios or who are there on the ground uh, and can give me a sense check beyond just my own kind of intuition and and then what I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm reading in diligence. So that's kind of my process. And then from meeting the founder. Um, you know, all the way through the investment and diligence process. I mean, I, ideally, that's like a, that's like a two to three week uh, kind of end to end process now because just, uh, you know, just getting just getting more just getting more efficient uh, in terms of knowing what I'm looking for. And from a diligence perspective, knowing who my what my resources are. Uh, and knowing, you know, uh, when I when I when I go out to LP is, you know, the kind of notes that I want to hit and what resonates. And again, same thing with, you know, memos and messages and things like that. Just getting a lot of reps in, you know, just makes you more more efficient being able to to deal with it and, and have a faster speed of execution, which, you know, in a, in a bull market was really necessary because frankly, yeah. you know, in those bull markets, sometimes you might have you know, <laughs> 10 days to do everything. Um Whereas now I actually expect the timelines will be uh, will will be much will be much longer, uh, so it won't be that same rush. But it was it was definitely good uh, good practice for me getting everything uh, in in order. That's pretty fast. Two to three week uh, is pretty fast. In fact, I remember I spoke to a couple of you invested, mm -hmm. and that's what they tell that you complete things very fast and you're very efficient and all. In fact, there is an old saying which say that you can't hide anything from your doctor and your lawyer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think founder cannot hide anything from you. So now a little bit about your portfolio. And you mentioned that uh, already that you invested in so many companies around the world. In fact, when I did the last count, it was 282 companies in last four years, which is phenomenal. And you have already exited more than 10 companies. So what is your thesis and what are your investment strategy? And uh, also, if you can share a little more about like how the angel investors are different than the venture capital firm. Yeah. So if I miss any part of that, please feel free to follow up. So, you know, I, I, I am very much um, a, a generalist and I like to say an oppor an, oppor an, op an opportunist. Um, and so because I've kind of cultivated those relationships uh, in terms of geography, discipline, et cetera, any, any deal that, that looks potentially credible, interesting, that has the potential to be some, a category kind of defining opportunity uh, is something that I'm going to take a, take a serious uh, look at. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very open and I, and I don't close the door. Uh, on, on most things. And for me, you know, going into angel investing, I had a similar mindset to, uh, you know, public investing, even things that I do in, in real estate. The number one word yeah. is, you know, diversity, uh, you know, 
when you when you adventure they you know they there's this you know thought of you know don't don't spray and pray or whatever they say but I was like you know I think that's a bit snooty I I, I would agree with that but to me there's there's a difference between that and indexing and so what I've always wanted to do is index um, and for me you know I've kind of now I'm experiencing two events through that strategy it's worked well first being you know I started investing whatever 2018 was was the shock of COVID and now yeah. going into 2022 this shock and my portfolio has held up remarkably well over that time I think because of that diversification and uh, no matter how smart or expert you think you may be, uh, we're all pretending to be Nostradamus here. And so I think the, the key line of defense is being diversified. And for me, that means being multi-sector, multi-stage, uh, and then hedging a bit outside of the, the, the U.S. As, as well. So again, like I said, my, my strategy um, is, you know, just, uh, you know, really keying in on, 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 like I said, those potentially category defining opportunities. And, and I think, as I've said in many interview, interviews, the reason I can take, I won't say an agnostic approach, but where I can, I guess, be generalist in that way is because I primarily evaluate startups um, outside of like, you know, like biotech and deep tech, which are a bit hmm. different based on, based on distribution. Um, yeah. I think if you strip away uh, AKA product market fit, AKA sales, whatever you want to say it. I think most startups, if you strip away a lot of things, including the product itself, uh, and you really focus on that, uh, you're kind of, you're going to, you're going to get into a lot of potentially successful companies because at the end of the day, uh, you may be enamored with a product, but if you don't have a team uh, and a strategy, that's going to be able to get that into the hand of the end user, you have nothing. And similarly, yeah. I've seen plenty of deals where the product is kind of mediocre, but they're brilliant <laughs> on the <go> to market, <laughs> and they and they and you know they're and they and there's a big outcome. Uh, so for me, that's been uh, you know been my kind of north star. And then for me, it makes it interesting, right? It's like I get to like it's it's you know so cool like day to day. Um, you know, it's a learning process for me. Like yeah. I get to learn about so many different companies and, and verticals and all of that. Uh, with that said, I mean, um, I do, you know, from looking at my own portfolio, we'll say though that I, I do probably gravitate more towards certain areas. And that's probably just because of my background. So like, you know, I have like, you know, a ton of FinTech, um, you know, a ton of, a uh, ton of uh, companies outside of the U.S. I mean, it's still like 80, 20, 80% in the U.S., but I think having an international background, have, having a capital markets background um, probably drives a bit of that. But beyond that, I'm, 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 I'm pretty open. And there was a second part to your question. Of, it was, was it the difference between angels and, and VCs? The VC. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because as like, you know, as an angel or I don't even know what the right right word is because, like I said, I I invest late stage as well, secondaries even. But you know, I'm uh, you know you don't you don't you have some disadvantages relative to VCs in terms of obviously just the sheer you know sh check size, yeah. uh, you know being able to necessarily comb the market in the same way that they have and establish the kind of same. Uh, you know, in, in, inbound, that, that kind of thing and branding. But then I also think that you have, there are ways to kind of overcome that. And then there are a lot of, you know, advantages as, as, as well. So, 
you know, even if you're an angel or solo VC, it behooves you to, to be a part of different communities and networks so you can leverage that and collectively, you know, have a reach and insight that I don't know if you'll be on par with the, the big VCs, but you'll, you'll be able to do, do some damage and you can also do a lot to build your own brand and, and get that that top of funnel uh, but then you're also untethered in some pretty cool ways right and that if you're solo vc or angel you're you're the boss you're yeah. judge jury <laughs> and executioner if you if if you especially as a personal angel if you're not managing or you know other people's money if you talk to somebody in 20 minutes and you want to invest that's your prerogative you don't need to go through <laughs> bureaucracy or committees or only be limited to making X type of investments or yeah. unable to make investments outside of a certain mandate. So that kind of, uh, I think autonomy is, is pretty powerful, especially if you follow an approach like I do in terms of the, the, the indexing. Um, and then the other thing is, is also a bit on the economics, right? So I know yeah. what I'm seeing now and what I saw during COVID, which was like a great opportunity for me investing was that you know when these shock events happen, VC a lot of VCs sit back and they lick their oh, wounds yeah. and they assess. When you're an angel or a solo VC or syndicate, you can just go 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 and and take advantage of opportunities, take advantage of bargains. And at the end of the day, um, of course, you want to support your portfolio companies, all of that good stuff. But you know your your investments each stand on their own. Uh, and so you can you can keep going you can keep going or you don't have to worry about man I had this really great company but these nine others are horrible and it's it's weighing things down <laughs> and how do I balance that and then you you know you don't have other constraints like for example um, you know target target ownership etc like if I want to go and invest in a company and they can only make room for X dollars, that's fine because yeah. I don't need to own ten percent five percent whatever it is. If it's a really great company that I believe in, I just need to get in. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a lower threshold to clear. And same thing, like no such thing as like competing term sheets and all of that. They can make room because of that flexibility if you you know can prove the the other components of your your value add. And that's uh, all a great point. Like you mentioned, it can be the king in your own kingdom. So you mm -hmm. <laughs> you build your own kingdom and and run it. You don't need to depend on external LPs. You don't need to answer them. And also, I really like your approach about indexing. I didn't realize that like you are balancing all these portfolio companies in a way that it make a index. So if there is a recession, uh, there should not be too much of downfall. If there is a too much of booming market, it should be moderate. It should not be too high because that's also not good sign. Uh, like mm -hmm. that's what happened in the in the bull market. Uh, so actually follow up on my previous question. And like you mentioned, you are a sector and geograph agnostic, uh, which means you are investing in all sector. And you mentioned that 80% of your companies are in US, but 20% are outside. Uh, FinTech and biotech, you are liking that space. And in fact, I saw like largest holding you have is in FinTech. So I can I can see that. But at the same time, you invested in mobility companies. So there are 10 companies in mobility sector, and there are 13 companies in the logistics sector in your portfolio. I have two questions. So how do you assess the potential of these startups? Because like you said, uh, you are sector and uh, you are geographic agnostic. So how do you assess the potential of these startups? Because they are so different from each other. And how do you place a high value on any factor uh, on these startups? You mentioned about team traction a uh, little bit, but what is more important for you as an angel? Is it the team? Is it the traction? Is it the market? 
And uh, and do you have any special requirement for mobility and logistics startup? Because it's a podcast for mobility companies. So I just want to understand: Do you have any special requirement for mobility hmm. companies or logistic companies? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll probably take it a bit backwards. Um, mobility. You know, I had mentioned that you know, like something like biotech or deep or like deep techs or things that kind of have a different framework of evaluating. I would actually make maybe make the same argument around mobility uh, as well, because of course you can look at things like distribution for, but that you know that that's going to be more in mobility. That's going to be more of a mature company anyway, which is a different type of uh, analysis. Yeah. For me, more mobility is 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 a heavy heavy emphasis on 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 team, um, and so um, you know. Preferably, even you know, if it's not a repeat founder, I mean, folks that have worked within the space and sort of the 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 best of the best types of uh, you know organizations. And so, you know, I take one that I, that I had, for example, um, you know, uh, uh, XOS Trucks. Um, you know, I, it was uh, one of the founders was 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 ex Tesla. So I was like. You know, like it, it, it's the it's those types of things. Or I, I look for besides the team. I also really look at what are they doing even early from a partnership standpoint, or what do they have yeah. the ability to do from a partnership standpoint? To a degree, in this sector, I think that is that also kind of gets, I guess, at my distribution standpoint. So I look at something like Gaddick, right? And when I invested in them. They were, it was very early on, but they had secured this partnership with Walmart. I'm like, yeah. doing that at your stage, like that really tells me something about who you are as a team. It tells me something beyond even what I can read about the, you know, the potential promise and magnitude of your technology. Uh, and so if, if I if I went down the list and, and looked at each of the kind of mobility startups. Um, I think they would all have that commonality where the founders are absolutely top tier technical experts, deep experience, where they've very early on established that they can win kind of top partnerships. And then the other factor is, you know, um, you know, obviously it goes without saying, you know, it's a, it's a massive, massive, massive market. market. So <laughs> that, so it's like, that's, that's never really the concern there, but even more so than, than other sectors, it's like, what are you doing? That's really different because it's also a super saturated market. It's not like there aren't a million truck and tire and transportation, you know, companies, you know, from, from old, from older companies to new. So it's like, what is your insight that no one else is seeing, or what is your technological moat that no one else has? Mm. And that, and that's really, that's really key. Like, if you just come to me and you're doing a bus startup, okay okay <laughs> that's not gonna that's not gonna do that's not gonna do anything or a slightly better bus than the great like that it's not the it's not you can't do the incremental improvement it can't just be marketing it has to be a step function change yeah. uh potentially and so that that's really a focus um when it when it comes to that sector no that's a great point you mentioned about the partnership because now i can also relate because I see a lot of mobility startup and all, and partnership is a key. It's a B2B kind of a segment. Mm -hmm. So you really need to have those kind of partnership to go ahead. And Getik is a, is a great story because they have a very unique segment 
of warehouse to warehouse uh, driverless uh, vehicle mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. walmart is the best partner because they have so many warehouse and and they mm-hmm. can expand so quickly world over mm-hmm. if it's successful mm-hmm. in in us they can quickly successfully go world over now i really like your point about this partnership and the technology mode and and probably i'll use the same function now to evaluate some of these companies now my next question which you touch already a little bit there was plenty of money available in the market or i should say it's it's uh, it's now becoming less and less but at the same time there are many more founders and entrepreneur uh, who are working on new idea every day you must be seeing new pitches new ideas and all so do you think the job of an investor and capital allocator is becoming easier or more difficult because when you are getting more idea should i say the job is becoming easier because now you can pick up plenty and second is what is your suggestion for the first time founder because like you mentioned if it's a repeated founder the the story is easy you can easily create your story you can easily tell people what you are doing but for first time founder who are raising the external funding for the first time they always face this challenge of how should they start where should they reach mm-hmm. what process they should follow mm-hmm. yeah on on the on the first point um in, in terms of is it is it is it easier um i i guess it kind of it depends on the position you're in right so speaking from the perspective a non fund perspective um as long as you you, know, you yourself are, are comfortable investing or you can marshal your your group of folks to invest um i would say yes because the opportunities uh, in the inbound are only going to tick up from here as as funds begin to retreat a little or elongate their processes just as i saw uh within 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 covid if you're a fund um you know there may be some difficulty because i think you know lps are going to be a little more a little bit more active <laughs> and they're in, and they're going to be answering for 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 different things within the portfolio but i mean i think the opportunities are going to be uh more robust for sure so long as you actually have you know the powder uh to to be able to 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 do it so it'll be it'll be an interesting time uh for sure Yeah and then you you were I guess asking about first time founders um yeah no I mean it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a great it's a great question um uh, you know like I said I I for sure have backed plenty of first time founders um for me it's um it's always really nice if you if of course <laughs> if someone can back a repeat founder but more often than not I'm 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 backing uh you know first time founders um and at the end of the day if a founder can show me that they understand uh you know have insight into the things that i most care about depending on the 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 sector uh then i'm uh, then i'm and i'm good with that and so it goes back to the conversation that we were just having at the end of the day if you show me that you understand distribution if you show me that with your with your background with your network um that you can get into enterprises or that you can you know have these partnerships or you show me from a technical standpoint you know what you've done from a from a patent perspective from a uh portfolio you know speaking of um uh, logistics then I'm going to be that I'm going to be that I'm going to be comfortable uh but it's about going in and understanding for your sector kind of what the what those key aspects are and and being well prepared to to kind of a, a address those and so you know at the end of the day this market is is going to be tough for everyone of course you know it's it's yeah. things are always going to be a bit easier 
for repeat founders. Uh, but even even they, I think, will, may have more to answer to if, if they're if they're repeat but doing something that's you know wholesale different from whatever yeah. uh, they 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 originally uh, you know you know what they originally did. Yeah, no, that's that's true. It's uh, the market is tough for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're first time or second time founder. If you're doing a completely different job, so you investor end of the day will ask question which are basic. Uh, what is your product market fit and how will you going to make money and all? Uh, and and now my next question is actually about uh, how to be ready for investor uh, and uh, sending their pitch decks and all. So you must be receiving thousands of pitch deck every month. Uh, in fact, I send you a lot of them and sometimes you say no, uh, because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because some of them, some of them are not good or some of the ideas are not good. So I'm curious to learn how you evaluate pitch deck, because it's just a short document to create an impression with an investor. And what are the top five things which are a kind of a must in a good pitch deck? Because people, I see a lot of pitch deck, they have 20 mm-hmm. slide to hundred slide, but what are the top five things? They should include and which can create impression on the investor yeah so i i have seen ever from pitch decks from from feels like from two slides to a hundred all different formats <laughs> shapes, and, and colors but um i mean for me it, it, and you know and it's really interesting particularly if it's a company that's not necessarily coming in warm either and you're in your in, in trying to make an assessment, because you you can't re- you can't get on the phone with with everyone who comes yeah. in, and so you're make you're looking at a few slides and making a determination if something is worth escalating. But for me, um, you know, there's a few things not that they're necessarily in every pitch, but you know, I know things that will will grab my attention. Uh, number one. Um, is uh is like i said it's a, it's a bit less than like this concern in mobility but in general um you know tam and so and not and not you know and everyone i mean typically has a, a tam slide but i i get a little more granular in the sense like i want to walk away from every pitch deck having a very clear view of how they're going to reach a hundred million dollars in revenue why because bull or bear market that's pretty much the benchmark to knowing that this is a potential unicorn type of company irrespective of of industry and and multiple and so bonus points to the startups who actually spell that out but if they haven't spelled it out if they've done enough on kind of the unit economics the the obtainable market and and do their ideal customer profile is and i can do that myself back of the napkin but i was like i need to go i need to every deck for me to take it to the next level i need to understand how you get there right away because that's that's going to be a major thumbs up or thumbs down for me if i if i look at your kind of individual unit economics and i say okay it would take x number of units or x number of contracts or x number of lois to get there and I asked myself, like, how, just from what I know of the industry in general, how realistic or or not is that? Or this company would have to be like the most profound outlier to possibly get the penetration to get there, then it's a no for me. Um, mm-hmm. If I do the math and I'm like, yeah, actually, I actually think with the product and all of that is together, um, they have a really good shot of getting there and it doesn't really actually take a lot uh, in the grand scheme of things to get there, then that's something that I get excited about. So that's number one. 
Second, obviously not to beat a a dead horse, but if they get into, you know, explaining a bit more or like really showing what they're going to do from a go-to-market perspective. Um, And so um, for me, that's essential. I want to know not just who you're targeting, but, 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 but how, Um, and if that is clear to me, like that hasn't been thought, thought out, um, then that's going to be less uh, compelling uh to me um and in for me for me those are the two most critical points everything else is i think a bit is a bit standard of course i would love to know about your 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 competition uh maybe that's third because i want to know i want to know not that i'm a, would be deterred by competition but i want to know how well you understand the the yeah. landscape and so what you're doing to differentiate etc and then everything else, though, I think it's kind of, uh, you know, boilerplate. Of course, I want to know about the team and all that and all and all that good stuff. But for me, those are those are kind of the main points. No, all these are great points. Uh, the the TAM and the market sizing, the go to market, uh, the competition, because a lot of time founder doesn't even understand what is the competition. I mean, they say, oh, there is no competition, which is like a big scary <laughs> thing. <laughs> If I, if any founder tell me there is no competition, I tell them, okay, let's, let's wait for the competition to come to start because it cannot be that there cannot be any competition. Uh, So thank you for sharing this. And, and I think people who are listening, who are uh, probably reach out to you later on, will make sure they have these uh, key component in their slide deck uh, to get your attention. Uh, Like I mentioned, uh, there is plenty of money available in the market uh, if you have a good idea. So even today, even when people are skeptical about investment and all, but I'm still seeing companies are raising more than 100 million of round and all. Mm-hmm. But the founders are not only looking purely for money anymore. I mean, the good founder look for kind of a strategic value. What are the key points that founders should look for while taking investor on board? I remember in your portfolio, you invest in some of the company, not because of uh, the value point of view, but because of the, the strategic value you can bring to those founder and all. What are the thing the founder should look when they bring an investor on board? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, uh, uh, one question that I'll ask a lot about founder from founders, particularly at the early stage, I, is I, uh, I will ask them how they're thinking about their own round composition because it gives me some insight into their thinking and the kind of company that they want to build. Because my advice is you're actually not looking for the same thing in every investor. You should be, you should be building a team that has different strengths. Uh, and so some things are cut and dry. Like, do you potentially want a fund on board who has deep pockets and who can who can continue to invest with you? Sure, that's great. Find that someone who can do that. Do you want you know you want folks who are you know potentially industry experts? You want folks who are potentially go to market expert? You want people who just potentially have a really wide network and how can help you with customer acquisition and 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 hiring and 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 that kind of thing? And so. When I look at it as like, you don't want the same thing from every person, but what you want to do is walk away from every person understanding what their, what their superpower is. And you want to build together a a, a building, a team of folks with different superpowers, because, you know, I don't know if you've got 10 people on your cap table, or why would you want all 10 of them being able to offer you the same thing? I think you want you you want different voices and you also want potentially some folks who are going to challenge you because they think differently than in and everything is not necessarily a consensus 
Uh, that doesn't mean you, you you can do that, obviously, in a collegial, uh, enjoy working with them type of way. So no jerks, but you know that would be my advice. No, that's a great advice. It's like uh, building a team. So in a building a team, you need founders or co-founder with the complementary skill, hmm. not uh, not having all the same skills. So I think it's like when you take investor on board, you also need to make sure that some investor can help you for the client side, but some can help you for the product side and can some can have a deep pocket and all. Now, that's a great point. Uh, now, I want to like to discuss with you about the Web3 and blockchain, and uh, you haven't invested in many startups in that space as of now. And uh, I would say it, in your portfolio, there are only seven companies in that space uh, you have invested, but it's growing. And I think crypto and Web3 is the best performing portfolio on the angel list with double digit growth in last two years. Uh, there is a crazy amount of money and funding going into that space. What do you think about these technology and how do you envision these technology can be used in our life? Because there are a lot of this buzz about boring app and uh, the stone and the rock selling for million but what exactly you see these uh, technology can be used in our life yeah i mean th that's the that's the thing for me and and for right now why it's not while i think it's exciting it's not a huge part of my portfolio because i think that's that's what we're we're still finding out right and so for me um, you know, a lot of my plays in this space, I guess, have been a little bit of picks and shovels and kind of enabling technologies, uh, because I think I think to some degrees, we still don't really know what those use cases would be. I've yeah. seen some interesting applications, prop tech, like, you know, putting, you know, using NFTs to sell a property like that's really cool. We might, I think we still are a long <laughs> way away from that uh, being a common type of thing, but there, there are tons of interesting applications, but that's why for me, I'm, I'm more focused on the enabling stuff because there's also just, um, you know, there's so much out there. There's so much that's hype based and that doesn't actually have any form of utility and that's speculative. And um, to your point, you know, on something like Angelus, like right now or over the last year, that category by far commands the most attention and fundraising uh, and, and maybe even the markups. But I think a lot of it is going to end up being paper tigers. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, markups mean nothing, only exits do. Yeah. So, yeah, you might get in a hot, you know, whatever crypto, whatever company, and it gets somebody comes in a crossover fund and, and marks it up or whatever. But that to me, that's really meaningless until we see where you, where you exit, <laughs> especially especially in, in, in this market. And so, you know, um, like I said, I, I think it's all exciting. And in the coming years, you're going to see you're going to see the folks who build compelling use cases and separate from the from the pack. Uh, but just the sheer volume of money going into it doesn't even support enterprise value that's going to make that something that works for works for everyone. Uh, so, so like I said, my, my view is, uh, like I said, I really focused on enabling and kind of ecosystem technologies until we can kind of see like who are, who are, who are, who are built, who are the people who are building things that um, have true utility that have staying power. Um, and, and I think that, that, that will emerge. I just don't think it's really clear right now. 
I, I agree with you. There are a lot of speculation going on. I, in fact, I know a couple of good startups which are trying to build product in that, but it's still a very speculative market and we don't know what will be the end, end use case of these companies and all. Now, my next question is, and actually you're, it's very close to your heart because you're a big advocate of more representation of historically underrepresented group in the tech and the investment space. And uh, do you want to share a little bit about your mission and why do you believe it's critical for the future growth? Yeah, so I, I think it also is kind of similar to the, the philosophy when I, I was just kind of talking about when even we were talking about founders building teams. Um, and in my view, products, services, ideas are better the more voices that you have adding to that. And so that aligns very much with with uh, with, with 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 diversity. Um, and so uh, in, in my view, you know, I, I obviously I believe in backing diverse startups, but at the end of the day, I, I invest in startups based on, you know, just the, the fundamentals. Though I think if that's all you're looking at, you will actually find that your portfolio is it has has diverse founders if you don't have uh, those that kind of pattern matching and bias, but by the same token. Uh, and my kind of syndicate style of investing, I'm, I'm actually, you know, are probably even more focused on, uh, you know, uh, allowing access to diverse investors um, from a, from ethnicity, from gender, from geography, um, uh, all, all, all of the above. I mean, all are kind of welcome when it comes to, to my syndicate if they're if they're gonna, you know, you know, contribute and and, and be good members. Uh, with the thought of, you know, what better way to kind of, um, you know, potentially create generational wealth by distributing in that way and democratizing access into uh, historically underrepresented folks, um, and then being then being able to bring more voices in, into venture and create, you know, give people track records uh, to be able to to do something similar and and be check writers and check because and check writers matter because they determine who gets funded and that can yeah. kind of also feed up into uh you know more 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 diverse founders being uh supported so you know it, it's it's definitely uh really important to me but like i said not even just for the 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 sake of it though you could argue it's still worthwhile just for the sake <laughs> of it but i mean I, I think it genuinely contributes to, to to better ideas and 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 better companies and i know you know myself even when i you know speak with or advise founders in a number of times they'll tell me something like, you know, like no other investor has actually asked that. And for me, it may sound like, you know, common, you know, in my view, common sense, but I think it comes from the fact that, you know, I don't have a traditional uh, venture background in terms of yeah. even my experience. Um, you know, when I started, when I first started getting going, there was no ecosystem in Florida, like the way there is now. And then of course, uh, just my own kind of life experience from, from being a woman of color and all of that feeds into you know how i think and my life experiences and what i contribute and so um i like to think if you can if you can if you can do that in a robust way uh that's just gonna that's just gonna help everyone well thank you for sharing it's a great mission you have and i i agree with you it's uh it's not only diversity for for the investor but also for the founder for the team it, it's always work so it's always bring new skills new knowledge and uh, new thing now you mentioned this point earlier and i just want to go a little deeper into that uh, to understand uh, what is the future of uh, the zoom call vc investment 
uh, right now in your investment portfolio you have 20% of uh, companies invested in africa latamena southeast asia and i'm pretty sure you must have like you have never met them in person like you just had a zoom call and invested in them so pandemic that was a big thing happened during the pandemic like everything shifted to zoom and people start writing check over the zoom but do you think this trend will continue and uh, what's your prediction for the ecosystem of startup in these region because uh, they got a lot of funding during this period of uh, covid and pandemic and all will it continue or will you see some slowdown uh, the deal happening over zoom and in these region yeah i think i think it's going to continue i mean you might see i think there will be the truth is probably somewhere in the middle like in some of the hub cities or or, or newly formed hub like hubs like miami you'll see more uh, you'll see more in person but um i don't think zoom investing is going away especially in, you know in in all of those geographies that you mentioned you're seeing more and more global vc interest and you know it's just more you know kind of practical to 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 do it to to do it to, to do it that way uh, and just because of the way companies are company building right so you know a lot of companies are going in remote first and and yeah. distributed teams etc and so i think you know vc will have to continue to um adapt to that and i think the the approach may be um you know i i could even see you know, cuz folks are used to it maybe maybe it's zoom first and then then we meet in person, in person. As, as a way to initially uh screen it but i i don't think that aspect of things is uh is 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 going away uh any any anytime soon necessarily i i agree with your point actually the truth is in the middle so we will not mm -hmm. see those historical uh record funding so the the funding will slow down a bit but at the same time we will it will not be very low so people will continue to invest in these geography because the ecosystem is growing and the new companies and new models are emerging and all now the the point which you cover a little bit in the beginning is about this funding winter is coming and and the market is going through some changes and like you said the vcs are holding back the money a lot of vcs are not even investing uh there was a recent data which say there are 250 billion dollar of dry powder available with the vc so it's a uh quarter a trillion money which is with the vc they are not investing because they are not right now sure about how the market will work what is your views on this uh, the the funding winter and what is your advice for the founder are you giving any special advice to the founder which are in your portfolio or you are meeting uh, how you see the future coming Yeah so like I said you know it's this moment we're in may last longer than than what we experienced with covid but I still still think there were there are similar lessons right i mean at the at the end of the day you know a lot of vcs are are taking pause but to your point i still look at the fact that there is a ton of dry powder and you know they make their money on on the point that in management <laughs> fees and so they're not just going to sit on that forever so at the end of the day you know this summer uh maybe even through the end of this year is 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 going to probably be a shock to the system but at some point they're going to get back to deploying capital it's just going to be uh, a bit more orderly than it was than it was before and so for founders um i think you know you know patience is key discipline is key uh and and you know existing companies it's about you know um 
you know, being being default alive, right? So taking stock, take looking at your burn, all of that good stuff, and making sure you've got enough of a war chest to, you know, ideally go through the next 24, 24 months if if you if you had if you had to. Um, and you know, the the feelings that were in the air six or nine months ago where you're waiting on all these competing term sheets and and you're basically deciding based off of who's going to give you the most ridiculous valuation you've got to put that to the side you got to be a little less concerned about your dilution and caps and be worried about just getting the money that you need to hunker down and build what you're you're building and if you have that mentality um i think you'll i think you'll I think you'll be fine yeah, no, that's a great point about uh, having a runway for at least 24 months. If you have less, uh, there is a high chance that the plane will crash or the startup will shut down. So you need to have a long runway and uh, reduce your burn rate. A lot of startup has increased their burn rate and all. But we are already seeing that a lot of layoff are happening. And the reason for that is uh, people want to reduce their burn off. So this is my last question, and it's basically about Angel Investment. So Angel mm -hmm. Investment is a risky space. At the same time, like you mentioned, it's a very interesting space to build knowledge and wealth. Uh, what is your advice to someone who is new in this investing space and want to become an angel investor? How can an early stage angel investor establish credibility in this space? What is your advice for people who are just looking to enter into this market now? Yeah, so great question. Uh, I mean, for me, and, and maybe you can attest to the same, you know, that probably the most impactful thing that I did starting out was was uh, was joining AngelList, uh, because uh, it was an opportunity to meet other like minded folks who are kind of, uh, in, uh, you know, a, a, being a part of the same journey. Um, is an opportunity to sit back um, in a in, at least to start if you want in a, in a passive way and see tons of deal flow really dive in understand market trends be able to read decks and memos understand and understand dynamics and really just uh, learn uh, in, in in with with kind of the the training wheels on and so for me that that's a that's a pretty powerful way to do that and then in the meantime, uh, be doing what you can to, to network because, you know, one thing I, I think I always say is that, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of luck involved <laughs> in this, in, in, in this space. And I don't think the people who win are just necessarily so much, you know, are materially are smarter than other folks. What I do think they have is access. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you've got to do what you can on your end to make sure you are seeing as many deals as possible. <laughs> Um, so like I said, analyst is one tool to do that, but the other is just good old fashioned network, you know, joining, joining angel groups, joining, take fellowships, whatever it is to build, uh, build that network because, you know, you, you, you probably, whoever you are out there, you're probably smart enough to, or whatever, you could probably invest in the next Uber, but it really won't matter if you're not invited to invest. Uh, and so that's my first big piece of advice is <laughs> get as knowledgeable as you can and do everything you can to make sure you have the most robust deal flow uh, possible. Um, and then, you know, my own personal advice, which I said has been borne out for me, like I said, is the, is the, is the indexing and, and, being, yeah. and being diverse and, and giving yourself more shots on goal uh to to be able to kind of get the 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 big hit that makes a difference in your portfolio 
that's true uh it's actually you need to be at the right time at the right place uh, for mm-hmm. the luck to happen so if you are mm-hmm. not there if you are not listening to uber pitch and if you are not investing you cannot make money from that company you have to be there no thank you so much ashley we learned so much about angel investment your thesis and how you invest and and a lot of lessons for the founder and all uh in the last we have this uh, rapid fire round and i personally put this because i want to understand more ashley as a person rather than just as an investor or lawyer so we mm-hmm. ask five question and you need to just answer them quickly whatever comes to your mind so if you are ready i'll just fire away Lawyers aren't good with that, but I'll do my best. <laughs> we have to think know, through you know, everything. Yeah, you need you need time to think, but that's why we have this uh, interesting round, not uh, giving any time to think. So my first okay. question is: if you are if you were not in law or investment space, what other profession you would have selected? Oh man, I growing up, I wanted to be a host on the Travel Channel. Host on the Travel <laughs> Channel. Oh man, <laughs> that's a that's an interesting profession, I would say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the the travel the startup or or the comp the founder who are investing in travel company they should reach out to you. The <laughs> <laughs> so my second question is: You travel so much around the world. In fact, you live outside uh, for some time. Which is your favorite city in the world? Favorite city in the world would be Paris. Paris. and how often you been there like how many time you been there oh god i mean definitely more than 10 um it was much easier when i when i was living in london but even now um i i think the last few years i i make it there about uh you know i've been going there about once a year at least over the past couple of years and i'll be there again in in august oh man that's that's definitely your favorite city 10 times uh, so mm-hmm. definitely it it's a lovely city i've been there so i yeah. know it's a it's a lovely city Yeah. Your favorite startup in the mobility and logistics sector, and why, or any other sector? Uh, and then I gotta like call them. Uh, gotta call them all to mind. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know how it'll how it'll turn out, but uh, may, maybe uh, maybe Wave W A Y V E based out of the UK. Right. Um, and, and and I'm really just intrigued by them because you know they're they're one of those ones which is what I called out for this sector that's going right when everybody is going left. So you know, in terms of autonomous driving, obviously a lot of folks are going after that. But you know, uh, they they kind of had a wholly different way of 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 looking at it in a true kind of machine learning as opposed to like lidar and maps approach. And so. I mean, they could spectacularly fail, but I, I just think it's really interesting <laughs> uh, that they that they went about it that way. So that's one of the ones that I'm most uh, in, in, intrigued by, right? And then also because obviously, whoever is 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 right in that space is is uh, is going to be on the in you know oh, in, yeah. the, in the in the Fortune ten. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. Whosoever will be right, because there are so many of them, but it's yeah. like which one will be right. Yeah. Uh, my next question is: What are your, what are you most excited about this or next year? Uh, this year, this year. I'm always. That's uh, my personality. <laughs> I'm always. I'm always more excited about the present. That's the thing that I have. Uh, that's the thing I have control over. Okay. And uh, anything which you like about this year, you want to do this year, like you want to achieve in this year. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, I think I, I for me personally, like I the, the last two years, particularly with COVID, like I was just like a maniac burning myself out <laughs> trying to build trying to build the syndicate and 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 build and 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 build everything I'm building and networking. So I actually, for once, am, am looking forward to, uh, to to actually getting back to having a more balanced <laughs> life uh, and doing some more traveling, et cetera. Um, and then also being able to do deals in a in a different type of pace and environment. It's a new, it's, you know, it's a new uh, new challenge, new opportunity. Okay, that's a great point, and I I wish you safe travel because I know you are traveling this week as well. So <laughs> have a safe travel. Uh, my next and last question is: If you can change one thing in your life, what would it be? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. If many people feel that way, but you know, I'm I'm like a butterfly effect person, right? Is that is that any? change that you ever go back and make could completely change you kind of where you are now and I feel I feel good about where I am personally professionally and all of it so I'm a I'm a no regrets kind of person that's great uh, no I love that answer and in fact the people who are happy what they found their passion uh, give the same answer uh, if you find what you're doing is meaningful to the world and to yourself you always love what you are, what you have achieved in life. So thank you so much, Ashley, uh, for your great insight. I really love this conversation with you and learn a lot from your experience. In fact, uh, we had conversation earlier, but uh, today conversation, you know, helped me to know a little more about yourself. And yeah, no, no, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. And, and thanks for your, if not day one, pretty close to day one support of the, the syndicate. And so I uh, definitely appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We will be inviting some other inspiring guests in the coming week. You can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for the next episode. If you would, if you like this podcast, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us to spread our message. If you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast, please do write to us at info at the rate mobility innovators.com. I look forward to see you next time. Thank you.